Teacher, what star is that? To the black and the white, the red and the yellow, to all the nationalities, I'd like to say hello. Oh, you don't even know that lyric. Erase racism, cool G rap, Big Daddy Kane, and diabolical Biz Marquee. What? Stop pretending you listen to hip hop. Thank you for listening to FarsightTV.com. You are locked into Side Life Radio. And as always, I am your host, Adisa the Bishop, a.k.a. The Black Dragon of the West Side, a.k.a. Zato Ichi, a.k.a. Hmm? The South Bay Shogun, Shogun, Shogun. Yeah. A.k.a. The Iron Hook Assassin. That is what they call me. I'm known for that. A.k.a. The Black Cortez Killer. Ooh, with these new dickies I just got on Amazon. Ain't nobody triller than me, homeboys and girls. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast dedicated to giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, health, and fitness trends. Ain't nobody out there lacing your cranium with this here vibranium, baby. Let me sprinkle you like a decent bishop. So you can be down now or you can bow down later because the West Coast OGs, we stay greater. (laughs) I thought you knew. If this is your first time listening... Understand that uh, this podcast may not be the best thing. How <gasps> about a show enough is the West thing? How about a show enough is the West thing? How about a show enough? Show enough? Show enough? Show enough? Show enough is the West thing? Do me a favor, real quick, right now, party people in the place to be. I'm going to need you to subscribe. Subscribe now. Uh, on where? How? Hey, well, huh? What you do is you go to a Spotify, a iTunes, a Mixcloud, a Libsyn, or a YouTube. Okay? And do it. Right? News it. That way, when these bad boys upload, update, up earth thing on the platforms, then you get it. Because the show is growing, you know what I mean? Because of the uh, is is hip-hop anti-cop show. Because of the George Floyd show. Um, my coronavirus show. My N-word show. Yeah, that N-word show, huh? All of you comprise the BCP army. And I salute all of you. Not just for listening. Because the show is growing, and I'm so grateful. But for sharing, I'm glad that you're sharing it. All I ask is, what do I say? Share it with one person, right? One person you actually think is going to listen. So now, I know I shouldn't. I, I feel that this is improper in some ways. But BCP Army, I need, I need a new favor. Can you, can you, do, can you do, do a solid for the OG, blood? Can you do a solid for the OG one time? Okay, word. Instead of one person, I'm asking for an upgrade to two. Can you help me? Two people from now on. Every show, two people. No more one. Lace me 
I'm looking out for you. And you know this. Thank you, BCP Army. Salute. Um, quick shout outs real quick for the heartbeat props. Um, here's how we're doing it. Uh, first goes out to at the chess drummer on IG. Heartbeat props is where we give props to people while they're living. And thank them for what they do. Your job is to call three people, call them for five minutes. Don't text them, call them, talk to them, and let them know why you love them. Let them know why you appreciate them. Be specific. Um, at the chess drummer on IG. He wrote the book, Triple Exclam. That's a chess, chess term. You know what I'm talking about? For an amazing move. It's a book about the amazing black chess master, Emery Tate. All black press should be ashamed that when he passed away, none of y'all really gave him his due, let alone a big feature. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and at the chess drummer, a.k.a. Daim Shabazz, owner of the chessdrum.net. Go there. You learn a lot of things about black contributions to chess and history and, and culture all around the world. Um, I want to give a shout out to Daim because his website um, and his research consistently inspires me, man, because I know it's not easy doing stuff uh, pretty much by yourself. You know what I'm saying? I got Mike. I got my homies, you know what I'm saying, at Farside TV, you know what I'm saying? But like, really, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we out here swinging swords on solo. But the work of Daim inspires me because I know he doesn't, he, you know, he hits hard like he's a whole machine, but he's one dude. And I want to give you a shout out, Daim, because you always inspire me, bro. 100%. Um, the next heartbeat prop goes to my uh, jujitsu instructor, Gumby, uh, aka Alan Marcus at Heroes Martial Arts. Follow at Heroes Martial Arts. They have an amazing online curriculum. You can check their stuff out. And they're starting to reopen, I believe, in the next week or so if they're not open already. Um, Gumby, I want to thank you. We had a long conversation last week. And Gumby's my G, man. Like, he really keeps me focused on the right things in my life and helps me really get clear on where my jujitsu's at, where it could be at, and how I can get there. Uh, so I appreciate you. And also, my man, at Denny Prokopos. Um... You know Denny, he, you know, they call him 300, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Eddie Bravo's first black belt um, and a devastating devastator when it comes to no-gi jiu-jitsu. His school's starting to slowly o reopen as well. And um, Denny just called in to check in today, man, just to see, you know what I'm saying? And, that, you know, check in on your folks, man, because it means a lot. I was really happy that Denny reached out, you know what I mean? So shout out to all of you. Make sure that you reach out. Uh, and you think about three people that you're grateful for and call them for five minutes and give them some heartbeat props because we're living in uncertain times. You don't know what's going to happen to you or the people you say you love. So make that call. And now it's time for the West Coast Word of the Week. This West Coast Word of the Week is powered by Mshaka Media. That's right. There's a sponsor delivering world class creative and editorial services to entrepreneurs, influencers and those who seek to maximize their message. You can reach Tembisa Mshaka at Mshaka Media on IG or Facebook.com slash Mshaka like Shaka Zulu media. OK, this West Side Word of the Week is brought to you by her. And if you really know hip-hop on the West Coast, you already know Tembisa M. Shaka is the realest. We go way back. Some of my first hip-hop panels 
are hers at Mills College. You know what I'm saying? And she's also the author of Put Your Dreams First, Handle Your Entertainment Business. Do you know that book just ain't raw? Chuck D calls that book the definitive entertainment industry Bible. You need her in your life. She is sponsoring this West Coast Word of the Week. And this West Coast Word of the Week is, drumroll please, squabbing. Squabbing. Or squabbling. Short for squabbing. <laughs> it's just a fight. So if you're on BART and you're chilling and you see a little ruckus, you know what I mean, in the next car and a dude step through, hey, what's going on? Oh, man, he's full squabbing in the car, man. Squabbing in the car, man. M-A-N-E. That means there's a fight in the other car. Stay put. Don't get caught up. And now you know how to stay safe. Because you know the West Coast Word of the Week. When you out here, you know what it is, man. Thanks for visiting. The West Side. And from there, we pivot into one of my personally favorite parts of the show. <gasps> the haiku. What is a haiku? A haiku is a Japanese poem of three sentences. The first sentence needs to be five syllables. The second sentence is seven syllables. And the third is five syllables. Five, seven, five. They do not have to rhyme but most of mine do, <laughs> because I am a poet <laughs> by nature. As always, I will have my good man, Mike Realm. Hey, what up, Mike? Hey, um, you know what, man? I, I need um, some bird sounds for this. And I need, uh, like, can you, can you give me some trees in the wind, but not like, um, like a storm? You know what I'm saying? Like, I need, like, you know, like, a summer day with a good breeze. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this particular haiku is dedicated to my man, Dr. David Timoney. You know what I'm saying? And um, he is a G. He's ridiculously smart. Good Lord. Um, he is smart. One of the smartest people I know. Um, he does jujitsu. He's a hell of a family man. But... But, and he knows his hip-hop, like for real. Hell of an educator. But here's what I want you to know about him. Uh, he also knows his incense. The other day, uh, there was a knock at the door, and I had a whole box of some of my favorite incense from my favorite company. The same company that makes Nag Champa. Oh, my God. What? You ain't smelled Neem Forest, bro? You ain't smelled Blue Sage? My son, my beloved son... Gave me a amazing dragon incense burner. I call him Smaug. I have two dragon incense burners. One is from my son. One is from my boy De'Aaron, who just graduated high school. Anyway, D gave me another dragon incense burner that he got from, from Chinatown. But my son got me this really sick one. I got two sick dragon ones. Anyway, I've been burning incense on the back porch chilling the most meditating and so this particular haiku is dedicated to the one and only dr timony bruh because i'm triggered by incense very much like sometimes i'll just burn some incense just to get my head right it helps me center so yo this is for you bro here we go let me get some birds you know what i mean all right 
Ravens in the Pines. Blue Sage from the Green Dragon. This time now is mine. What? What? Yeah, run it back. Ravens in the Pines. Blue Sage from the Green Dragon. This time now is mine. Oh, yeah. But now wait, Mike. Yo, I need new sounds, boy. New sounds for a new haiku. You know what? You know what? Timbisa from at M Shaka Media that we just talked about. You know what she told me? She told me that in the show that we did on J Electronica with the dope interview with Dr. Suar, um, that I talked about a haiku and then I didn't do it. So she said, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta do another, you gotta double up the haiku on the next show. And she's right. So here goes this one. For this one though, it's gonna need to be a little bit of a different vibe. I'm gonna ask for something unusual. I'm gonna ask for a birimbao. They use them, they use them for capoeira. Can I get like a uh can I get like a birimbao? This is just I this this one, this one. I dedicate to the families of black women who were killed unjustly by the police. This is for them, for their families. All the black women in North America who were killed unjustly, this haiku is for you, your families, you and your families. Here we go. Brianna Taylor, Sandra Bland, we fight for you. Yes, black queens matter. Yeah, I'm gonna take that again. You gonna have to hear that one more again, right? Brianna Taylor, Sandra Bland, we fight for you. Yes, Black Queens Matter. Yo, so now we're about to get into the whole section about chess and life. And I just want to say that, like, again, in these times, these are Spartan-like times. These are samurai-type times. You understand me? These are Wild West-type times. You need to be within yourself and have a proper warrior mind. So I was getting ready to break down a bunch of strategy stuff. I was getting ready to get um, Miyamoto Musashi out on you. I was getting ready to bring like the essence of Marcus Aurelius right into your cranium. I'm not going to do that. Because this episode is about love. I love chess. I'm not the best chess player. Anybody will tell you I'm not like a grandmaster or near them. That's not what I do. I observe what's happening on the board. I can find ways to apply it to my life, and I do. But I do it from a place of love. And it is from that place of love that I'm going to read this section to you from my book, Bobby, Bruce, and the Bronx, The Secrets of Hip-Hop Chess, which is available in Kindle and paperback where on Amazon. Do not sleep, my friends. Cop one for yourself or someone you love. Um, It's a very unusual book. Um... Whether you love it or you hate it, you will say, you know, I never read a book like that before, for sure. Um, 
So I'm going to read this section called The Art of the Trade. The Art of the Trade is about what you're willing to exchange to win, right? Like I give you a knight, you give me a bishop, whatever. So it opens with this section from um, Raqqa. Dilated, you know what I'm saying? Um, shout out to Dilated Peoples all day. And uh, a track that he did called 64 Squares in the Cypher. Um, he says, I don't play either side or the king. I play God. Heavenly wars played out on hand-carved boards. Rock as many moves ahead. Learn to sacrifice to win. Angels share the tables with the ones that lived a life of sin. I love it. I love it. Um, so here we go. Most people know that my chess playing skills are nowhere near that of a master. My friend once rightly joked, you're easily the worst chess player to ever make the cover of Chess Life magazine. <laughs> He's right. My chess game is at the level of a guy who likes chess but never really pursued it on a competitive level. My addiction to the game came from the philosophy I got from the outcomes of the games I played and watched. That and the fun I have, irrespective of the outcome, are what drew me to the game. For some intermediate and advanced level chess players, this seems to be a source of deep frustration. No matter what I do, or the members of this organization do, there's constant complaining about my rating or the ratings of rappers, MMA fighters, or jujitsu players who support and participate in HHCF. I think the thing many of the chess players from this group lack is a greater understanding of the game on a social and cultural level. They are so obsessed with the game that they love that they see any attempt to quote-unquote alter its true nature as an offense to something they are deeply passionate about and skilled at playing. In their obsession, however, they miss the cultural essence of chess on a global scale. The international appeal of HHCF confuses so many quote-unquote serious chess players. So let me share my vision more fully for those unclear on the concept. Let me also say that I realize this is not an easy concept to grasp, and I don't fault anyone for not knowing the converging histories of hip-hop, chess, and martial arts in America. But I lived this with millions of other people. So I know it's real, and I have seen the fusion enlighten and inspire. I think I saw a statistic once that a little more than half a billion humans can play chess around the world. Now sit back and think to yourself, how many of those people are active competitors who plan on becoming masters? After a few seconds, the answer should be a resounding, almost none. People love the game of chess because it's fun. The games you play with your brother before leaving for school. The game your grandmother won that made you cry when you were nine. That one night, my ex-wife and I were given a free weekend at a lavish hotel in Silicon Valley. We were going to go to a restaurant, hit a club, and stay out till dawn. That is what we told ourselves. We spent hours of it, sitting in a hot tub, Locked in a 23-hour chess battle on the 64 squares. The water got cold. We, cooked, we took the game into the main room and stayed up until 1 in the morning trying to win. That's the chess I'm talking about. That's the chess this planet enjoys. Few can remember if Granny was breaking out the King's Indian on them. Nobody remembers if they used the Sicilian dragon on their opponent in that lunch hour. They just remember the fun, the purity of the fun and the personal connectivity in that moment means more than any sheet of algebraic notation. That's important. 
At the same time, let me say without reservation that if it were not for those that seek to take chess to the highest heights from a competitive and academic perspective, the casual players of the world would have nothing to aspire toward. Players like Carlson, Anand, Shahadi, Krush, Sirawan, and Ashley are the living cornerstones that we stand upon even when we don't know it. They must all be properly acknowledged and thanked for their perseverance. Nevertheless, I've played games with Casual from Hieroglyphics, Riza from Wu-Tang, Mike Realm, and Amir Suleiman that I will never forget. I often come up short. One time, Big Rich, a rapper from the Bay, and Balance brought some husky Russian dude to play me at a restaurant in Emeryville. It was electric. This summer, I played an amazing game with a young San Jose rapper named Society. It was a, such a razor-sharp match. I call that match the Battle of Tai Chi. The positions were so intense and the pressure so high, we were both sweating and thinking and rethinking our moves. It was just much like a match between Tai Chi warriors and a Jet Li film. The HHCF tournament at Rock the Bells ended with a street dude from Compton challenging a classically trained player who just ethered everybody. And the dude from Compton won. Off the hook. You can't make these things up. This is real life. It's real chess. And just because the players or the fans can't list the name of every opening or every endgame strategy does not make it less legitimate. A-plus was at that game. Hey, A-plus, remember that dude from Compton when he came through and, and beat that dude? That dude worked for the Treasury Department. <laughs> it was crazy. Anyway, High Road Day 2013 in Oakland, HHCF, had a table of chessboards set up right next to the all-tribe Zulu Nation booth. After Ronnie Lee and I set up tables, we just walked away and automatically it was packed with players. Boyfriends lost to their girlfriends, strangers class leaving fallen opponents lost in mental anguish, and some passed by just to learn the game. I played a nasty battle with a rapper and hip-hop educator named Jahi. We had been trying to catch up with one another for years. Life gets in the way, things fall apart. But on that day, we vowed to play. It was stressful for both of us. Crowd swelled to get a peek at the tactical exchange. When it was over, we were all laughing and talking about opportunities taken, missed, and lost. And then an Ethiopian college girl walked up and asked me, how much does it cost to play? I'm like, chess is free. She nodded and pointed as if to say, move then. I knew she was a killer from her question. She came at me like the blood of Queen Nzinga pulsed in her veins. I was a goner for sure. And then, daybreak. A missed opportunity to check me put me in a position where I had to check her repeatedly in order to find the mate or perish. I pulled it off, but my mind was jello after, and I needed a sandwich and some iced tea to recover from these battles. I saw Ronnie Lee go head-to-head -head with some Latino street dude just as my game ended. Ronnie is a stronger player than I am. This dude came in and started throwing pieces at Ronnie so hard, it was Ronnie's last game of the day that Ronnie was positionally on the ropes. Slowly, though, the guy's aggression caused him to poke holes in his own structure trying to eat Ronnie's pieces. 
I saw him snatch a piece of Ronnie's with a grin that soon dropped from his jaw. That guy's knight was now too far away to protect his king. He knew Ronnie was going to ride his castles down the H-file, the far right lane, and end it. The dude shook his head and laid his king down. Good game, man, he said with a smile and shook Ronnie's hand. That's the chess we seek to promote. Human chess. Now, in the jiu-jitsu and the hip-hop world, I find people of similar mind states. They are so in love with the purity of jiu-jitsu, rap, or b-boying that they cannot see the connections to chess and respect it lightly because of a line from RZA or Jay-Z or 50 Cent. I have said from the beginning that this organization is not for everyone, not from a place of arrogance or exclusion, but from a place of intellectual insight. The self-discovery that comes from playing chess, listening to rap music, training in jiu-jitsu and studying philosophies from those paths has already altered how the members of HHCF see ourselves, humanity and art. Who knows what this fusion will unveil to us through consistent exchanges of intellectual, artistic, and physical improvements. You got to have an open mind to roll with HHCF. If you're locking into the path of the 64, the HHCF is not for you. If your love for the gentle art or MMA is too narrow to see anything else, I respect that. Keep walking. If you are all about rap lyrics and all you want is your third eye to shine like jury. The HHCF is not for you. This organization is for people who know that they are not one-trick ponies. They know that the 10,000 things in creation that swirl around the universe ultimately bind them to one truth in humanity. We are all connected. This is the fusion of art and logic, of mental and physical combat. It was meant to unite man with himself or herself first, and then his or her global community. It was meant to unify the minds of young girls and inspire them to manifest whatever resonates deep within their souls. That is it. So if you want to know who the members of the HHCF are, look out your window. Now, look in the mirror. Welcome to HHCF. For more information on what we do, follow at real hip-hop chess you know what i'm saying and you can see how we do this yo again that came from my book bobby bruce in the bronx the secrets of hip-hop chess please cop it for someone you love please cop it for yourself these are crazy times i know you're trying to figure out where you're headed i know you're trying to figure out how to cultivate your joy i know you're trying to figure out what's your next move going to be after college what's your next move going to be now that you just lost your job Study chess, look into jujitsu and judo, listen to hip hop, that's inspiring. Not just any hip hop, hip hop that is inspiring. The hip hop that I'm talking about, you ain't always gonna find it on the radio. You ain't always gonna hear it on, on, on whatever popular music podcast you listen to. It's gonna come from the heart of the people at the bottom who found a way to make it. And now, really quick, um, 
before I jump into this thing, and this is a message like, you know, if, if you listen to the Healing After George Floyd episode, you know that most of those notes were for uh, my white friends and my non-black friends who are trying to figure out, like, how do I help heal this country, you know, in the shadow of, of, of all of this um, unnecessary death and, and violence and anger and sadness and fear, right, and all this uncertainty, right? What I didn't speak to is I didn't speak to my black extended family. You know what I'm saying? So, and believe there will be, you know, first of all, this isn't a show um, that's exclusively for black people. This show is for everyone. But in this time, obviously, I would be a fool not to address these issues. Not only because... It's a timely thing, but because I can. And you'd have to listen to past episodes, like listen to Hip Hop is a Weapon episode if you don't understand my background. You know, listen to the Tupac and Machiavelli episode if you don't understand. It's fine. But I come from a background that was very politically and socially charged. And that's what I was on until I let go and created Hip Hop Chess Federation. So. But I want to talk to my black folks for two minutes. This is going to be super short. Understand that you have the right to protest, but you need to be safe. And that deals with everything from masks to how you engage. It hurts my heart to see so many women, period. I don't know. Have you guys noticed how many women are getting shot in the face with rubber bullets? People are going blind out there just trying to get the country to acknowledge the sacredness of every American's life. I don't like to see that. You need to be safe. Um, And it just makes everyone more angry and makes everyone more determined to stay out in the streets and whatnot. But please remember that no matter how much you protest... That this is a systemic issue. It's a systemic issue. And that passion cannot replace planning. Passion cannot replace planning. If you understand white supremacy as the system that Neely Fuller outlined, and I subscribe to that. You're going to have to look that up if you don't know what it is. I've talked about it too much already. But. If you know that, then you know that this is a marathon, that there's not going to be overnight solutions, okay? Very few overnight solutions to this entire system are going to be available, if any. And I know that there are some radical changes like defunding the police, and everybody's all excited about that. I'm not sure. I think that there's going to be some very major unseen ripple effects that we can't forecast from defunding the police. I understand that the police have been out of pocket pretty much since day one. I understand that a lot of the leadership is uh, obstinate and quite recalcitrant in their response to the people's desire for better treatment. You see the police uh, union guy in New York yelling, they're treating us like animals and dogs. Stop treating us like that. We deserve respect. (laughs) 
All right, calm down. Uh, he was tripping, bro. Uh, somebody spliced his speech with like police beatings of protesters, and like he should have never went out. It was really bad. Somebody needs to talk. NYPD needs a better PR person because that was a nightmare. Um, but what I'm saying is that to the protesters, and and I don't like the Antifa people. Uh, disrupting nonviolent events, and I don't like white supremacists doing it either. I think they're both in play, trying to create more division between cops and the black community. Um, Antifa, you know I don't like fascists any more than you do, but you ain't helping when you do that. Lean back. You want to go tear stuff up? Do it on your dime. Um, but, you know, to my black people... You know, one of my friends, he reached out to me. He's like, why is everybody looting, right? They're burning down their own community. I said, they're not burning down their own community. They don't, they don't think that's their community. They can't get business loans to get the same businesses that people from other countries, any country can just come here and get the same loan. So when they burn these things down, they're, they're just burning something down that they feel is taking from them. You know, but it's important, people, that you understand it's not what you burn down. It's what you build. It's not about what you burn down, man. It is what you build. Ethically. Systemically, culturally. Okay, fine. You burn down the police department. I understand that kind of rage. But now what? Who's going to look out for your granny when she got to walk extra far to the store now? Because you burnt down the market around the corner. Or not you, somebody did. Somebody's got to look out for her. And if someone takes her purse, who's going who's gonna to find them? Like, when I talk about defunding the police, and understand, I'm not against it. I'm just saying that needs to be like surgically strategic. Or there's going to be ripple effects and impacts that you didn't see coming. I want to remind everybody that yes, this is about George Floyd. But to those that have been looting, George Floyd didn't die so you can have an extra pair of Jordans. George Floyd didn't die so you can have 10 boxes of Vans or loot the target down the street. And personally, I find that kind of activity very vomit worthy. I think it's, it's, like, it's like vulture activity and I have no respect for it. I understand it as a gut instinct in certain moments because I remember the 92 riots and how they impacted people. But we got to be better than that. Black people, we got to be better than that. When you look at your leadership, you got to remember, I spoke on this before, COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program, but created by the American government, and Black Pro had 3,000 informants in the 60s. 3,000. You know how many they got now? Who knows? 
But if you think Black Pro ain't done nothing but changed its name and COINTELPRO ain't done nothing but changed its name, then you know. So when you look at the lack of black leadership, this is why your local leaders are failing you. They were built to fail you. All of your best leaders were rubbed out. And footnote for white people, when you wonder why the black community has such poor leadership, understand that this government invested billions in making that a reality. Billions. We'll never know how much America has spent to keep black people shackled mentally, physically, spiritually, economically. But again, back to my people. It is your responsibility to step into the future. It is your responsibility to come up with the ideas that create the change for the children. We can't do anything about what the government spent to destroy us. We can only do something about how we step forward now knowing what we know. I suggest you look into the works of Marcus Garvey. I suggest you read specifically more philosophy and opinions from Marcus Garvey. Get that book. I suggest you read Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis. I suggest you read From the Browder Files by Anthony T. Browder. But passion alone isn't going to get this. Passion alone isn't going to get this. And finally, I just want to say that, you know, We need to champion the deaths of black women, Breonna Taylor, Corin Gaines, Sandra Bland, and so many others. We cannot forget them. We cannot forget how they died. We cannot forget how this system has dishonored them and dishonored their families. We cannot forget any of the LBGTQ plus community who have been murdered, abused, discounted. It's unfair. And if you remember anything, just remember that without a plan to build business, the marching will ultimately feel senseless. If you don't have a plan to build business, the marching will feel senseless. And you have a responsibility, whether you burnt stuff down or not, and I hope you didn't, by default, you are now up to help fix this situation because this is where America is at. And actually, it is in that spirit that I'm actually going to tell you guys something right now. Demystifying SiliconValley.com. It is a business website. It is an online business school for people who are serious. The guy who created it, his name is David Frazee. F-R-A-Z-E-E. He is a very gifted venture capitalist. He's a VC, someone who invests in business. And he created a school online that you can learn how the real big deals happen, how to build your company properly so it thrives. And I want you to go there. Anybody who's really hearing me and understands the value of entrepreneurship in this moment, how important it is, you are slipping if you don't go to demystifyingsiliconvalley.com today. I'm actually going to have him on the show next week because this is important. This is important for all Americans. 
especially African-Americans, but all Americans need to understand that like local businesses, small businesses, online businesses, offline businesses, this is the time. Understand that I love you. Understand that I love you. If you're hearing this, I love you. And it's not because I know you. I don't have to know you. We're all here together, right? Enduring this now, right? That's why. But I just want to remind you in all of this madness right now, in all of this madness right now, to defend your smile. Don't let the anger overtake you. Don't let the sadness and frustration, don't let the questions about the future overtake you. Defend your smile. Always keep a corner of your heart open and your head open in a place of gratitude that allows you to smile. Don't let anybody take that from you. As crazy as things are, as I talk to you right now, do you know that I've contracted MRSA staff again? I've been fighting it for about 10 days. It's almost gone, but it's not gone. And MRSA is super deadly. And I have had it three times since August. I think I figured out why I keep getting it, but anybody that knows MRSA knows how crazy it is. You get it once, it can take you out. Um, but I am oddly upbeat and smiling <laughs> every day. And uh, I'm healing every day. And sometimes there are people, family members, co-workers, whoever, and they uh, may try to ruffle your feathers. They may try to deliberately undercut and undermine you. They may try to irritate you and understand they got problems of their own. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't your deal. Your job is to defend your smile. Okay? Nobody has your smile. Smiles are like fingerprints, man. You know, only you got that fingerprint. Only you, right, got your DNA. Only you got that smile. Look in the mirror. Smile from a genuine place. Know that you are an amazing, beautiful human being. Know that you have your own wisdom, strength, and beauty that no one can take. And understand when you look at me and you see me smiling, no matter what's going on, you better know that if my joy brings you pain, then you're going to need some Novocaine because it ain't nothing but joy over here. Give thanks. Go be great and enjoy this poem before Dr. T and I talk about love. All right, peace of the planet. You know what is happening. The world is pretty much on fire and... um. There's a lot of people, you know, talking about the pros and the cons. There's a lot of people debating a lot of other things around what's happened to George Floyd, the response of George Floyd. You know, you've heard me talk about different issues that deal with like white privilege, white supremacy, how we can communicate better, right? And so really what I'm trying to circle back to and the reason why I do what I do is because I am about love, okay? And so... um, I had the greatest experience, you know what I'm saying? Like if you remember the London episodes, right after the London episodes, um, I I got a call from RZA from Wu-Tang and he was like, yo, will you come out and teach some stuff at Camp Tazo about chess and life? And uh, I did. And when I got on that flight, I'm sitting and I was really excited because I had, a, I had three seats to myself. And then a lady walks up and she's like, do you mind if I sit here? And I was like, nope. 
And we talked almost the entire flight. And her name is, well, I call her Dr. T. And she is Dr. Tracy Thomas. And she wrote an amazing book, which she gave me on the flight, called The Method. And it is about how to optimize your life. And uh, after Camptazo, I got home and I read it. And I was like, I have to have her on Bishop Chronicles. So, Dr. T, thank you for being on Bishop Chronicles today. Adiza, it is so good to be here. You know, thinking about that flight and me deciding to change seats. (laughs) And then I sit down and I'm like, I have a new BFF in life. And it was just such a... It's just magical. And it's just it, so anyway, I love I love that it, we are connected and on the journey now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, before all of this happened, obviously we met. This was in February, yeah. right? And so, obviously neither of us knew the world was going to come on fire <laughs> and there was going to be all this pain and uh, and suffering and you're like, "Yo." What? Right? But either way, my whole goal was to talk with you about love. Yeah. And we've tried to connect several different times and it hasn't worked. And I'm at, I've always been at peace with it because as a journalist, one of the things I've found is like, if I tried to interview someone once or twice and it didn't happen in the beginning, I'd start panicking. I get stressed out. And over the years, I learned that you interview people when it's time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like to trust the process, like, okay, like, certain things happen that make the interview you get down the line way better you get to talk about things in a different way. And I really feel that this is one of those moments. So um, before we get into the topic of love, um, I want to talk about your book a bit. Yeah. Um, tell me about the method yeah. and tell our listeners about the method, because I think it's a very important book. Uh, So, Adiza, the method is something that I developed out of really a a whole lot of suffering in my life and really at an early age, recognizing that while people were really uh, having difficulties around me in my life, my parents and my family, I was really able at an early age to, to see the difference between the emotions that they were having and who they really are and were as people. And so throughout my life where I was struggling with my own emotions, I started to apply that to myself and and understand that, you know, these emotions that I'm having, they're actually something that I can do something really productive with, but I need to know just how to work with them because they're really big. And as a really emotionally sensitive person, my emotions were just bigger than me and I wanted to be the one in charge of them so I could use all of that energy in the service of humanity. And so mm-hmm. I really set out on, out on a path to, to navigate all of this and to make it so that whatever it was that I was feeling, that I could really be productive with it because all the help that I was trying to get, the therapists and different doctors and stuff, They didn't seem to get this piece that some of us are just like way more emotionally sensitive and capable of feeling a lot of really deep things, but we're also capable of feeling a lot, a lot, you know, real lot of suffering. But when we're able to harness our emotions, we are able to feel the most love. We're able to make the most change in the world. And I really set, you know, out to make a real practical, tactical process 
that somebody could go through to just recognize they were in a in a, in, a, in a in an emotional cycle, an emotional pattern, select what they want to create with that and be able to really channel those emotions into something really productive for themselves and other people. And that's how the method was born. And then I eventually wrote the book about it. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about people who are more emotionally connected. Now, um, that's what's classified as an empath, right? What is the definition of an empath? Yeah, you know, I the way I see it is that people are really multi-sensory. And some of us are, we come into the world and... I see it as kind of like a combination of somebody's essence, their spirit, so to speak. But also mm-hmm. I've studied uh, all of my clients. I've studied all of their genetics and their genetics also make it so that they don't some of their some of the processes that happen in their body don't complete themselves all the way. And these are um, what's referred to as genetic mutations. So sensitive people feel things more stressfully and more intensely because of the way just certain aspects of their body work only to a certain degree. But at the same time, Mm. so at the same time I've discovered though, that these people are also the most deep spiritual, again, multi-sensory people that are aware of things on a level that is higher than certain other people in the world. So we process a lot of awareness. We feel everybody's stuff. And because we're capable of that, it means we know a lot. But if we don't know exactly how to channel all of that, then it will just implode on us rather than us being able, you know, to say, wow, like right now what's going, there is so much reactivity happening, but what do we want to do? What do we want to create? Because if we just go crazy with it, rather than give the directions for what we want, then we're just all reacting to each other rather than right. using this great empathic skill and using it for the advancement of our society. Yeah. No, I think that that's really deep. And I have to say for myself, I didn't recognize, I didn't know what an empath was until my divorce started. Right. I didn't know what it was and what it was is my 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 therapist told me in the early parts of the the separation she said I I have complete faith that you're an empath and so I need to help you understand how to conduct yourself and how to you know yes. what I mean, and how to cultivate this. And I I didn't know what she was talking about and then over the course of my life and you know following you know the split and everything what I started to recognize was that one of the biggest things I had done is I had, you know, I'm a, I'm a really good friend and I'm a really good supporter of people. And what I had been running around for the most of my life doing has been so in touch and in tune and so, so giving to other people's experiences and emotions that I had fallen out of tune with my own. And then once I started recognizing what it meant to be an empath and why I was feeling so much stress, why I was feeling sadness so deeply, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And I started getting it to myself. It really changed a lot. So, you know, your book, The Method, is about getting in tune with yourself to be your best self and be the most present. And one of the things about 
your your book that really, I, you know, one, I applaud you for being so honest about your own path because Thank it you. helps people understand, you know what I mean, the ups and downs of things. But one of the things that kind of um, really struck me is you talked about um, a relationship breakup with yourself and, you, and you, were, you were working at the time for a medical company and you came to a big realization about kind of how your work was playing out and how your relationship was playing out. Can you expand on that yeah. a little bit? Because I, I think it, it's it's good for people to pay attention to when the lessons come to themselves. I thought this was amazing. Yeah. Um, so Adisa, when I, previous to that, like that really powerful moment for me, I didn't really know that there was such thing as a relationship with myself. And I just sort of, like everyone else, whatever I was feeling was reality rather than even recognizing like, you know, we are in a huge melting pot. We are literally, um, you know, let's use this metaphor. You and I were in that airplane together where we know we're all in a certain field of energy. But the reality is we are always in the airplane and we're in the world. We are always in what's going on with everybody. And I didn't even know that I was absorbing all of these emotions and people's reaction patterns. And so what happens to me is what happens for most people is that you think that whatever you feel is reality. And, and so you end up then like, re, first of all, you're reacting We're we're mostly all, most of us are in a reactive state our whole life. So you're reacting then you're even if something's really awesome and loving and you're like, I love this person, that can also just be a big reaction. And you can end up going down paths in life that are way more reactive than totally intuitive. If you were completely in touch with yourself and your own deeper level purposes. And so, you know, what was going on for me, which was a pattern in my life, is that I had all kinds of like material success. And I was, I was really good at all kinds of stuff, but I always ended up like so many people in these really nightmare relationship situations. And there was just like a, a moment of clarity where I recognized I was on this, as you know, I was on this conference call and here I was, and I was leading a team and we were talking about a bunch of stuff. And I, I, I kind of like ended up outside myself, like hovering at the, like above myself. And I saw this person literally like lying, even though it, you know, everything I was saying was like important to the company, important to the employees, but I was essentially living a lie. I was, even though these priorities were important for people, they weren't really my priorities. And I had this moment of clarity and it really kind of went like this. So I'll use the real language, which was Tracy, you're a fucking liar. Like, no wonder you are getting in, like your relationships are having people lie and cheat. You're not living in integrity with what it is that you're meant to be doing. And, mm. and it just was a great, amazing moment for me because I started to just recognize like everything that was about my relationship with myself was, was ending up, it was the relationship that I had with other people. And so if I wanted to have amazing relationships with other people, it was about building one with myself where I was honest with myself, where I was trusting myself. 
where I was not doing things that were shitty to myself because of some sort of a reactive process. And this set me on a year long intensive with myself where like I am building a relationship with myself on every single level so that everything that comes after that really reflects that. And that's it's just been the most miraculous thing that I have ever done and ever experienced in my life. And it continues to be so. That is so fantastic. And your your book and your method has helped a lot of different people. Can you tell me for yourself um, a relationship that you've had with 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 one of your clients that that really made you feel good about the impact of of the method? You know, I mean, it's it's. There's so many, and I'll tell you that, you know, there's, there's something this week that just happened, which is what, what makes this life so beautiful for me, because, you know, that moment where I decide that I'm going to live in integrity with myself, uh, you know, is also the moment that I know that I'm meant to help other people do that, but that I've got to, I've got to get this thing down with me. I've got to really live this and implement it and when I mean yes to something, I say yes. And when I mean yes to something else, I say yes to the other thing. And I don't, I don't do things that I don't mean and intend. And so I was like, I got to get, you know, this is my implementation process for myself. And I knew that the better I did it for myself, the better that I would be able to transfer this to other people because you can only, Mm, you you can only, you can only transfer Adisa. You're basically transferring your own patterns to somebody else. And so all these years later in this beautiful journey of working with clients and using this framework of having a relationship with yourself, knowing what it is that's going on with you, knowing where it is that you're supposed to be going next in any given moment and following that, that has been, that has allowed me to change patterns that create, especially in emotionally sensitive people that create anxiety and depression and addiction and things mm-hmm. like schizophrenia and very extreme disorders. And right now there's a client that I'm working with that has a, I'm not going to mention the disorder because it could, I it could, could, I, he could know that right, I'm identifying right. him. Um, he probably wouldn't, but, and I'll just say it's a disorder that is thought to be incurable. It's very extreme. It's very dangerous for the person in society. And this methodology of having a relationship with myself and helping this person have a relationship with himself, it brings about such peace to myself, to the person. It develops this quality where it ends up like, I know the person is in there and no matter what they're suffering from and suffering through, I'm helping them emerge as themselves, not not the person that absorbed everything since they were a baby. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. a person who could be, you know, so hostile and so angry and so struggling and self-destructive can then be in a moment where they are connected with themselves. And and I'm getting to sit in this moment of intimacy where a person is like peaceful and they're aware of their own right. power and their gift. And this is the gift of being emotionally sensitive when you know what to do with it. 
and how to operate with it, as you were saying, you know, before that your therapist was wanting yeah. you to know yeah. how to do too. So it's 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 transformative for me. I mean, it's the most transformative thing right. that I could ever do. Now, if someone's saying like, okay, this sounds good and whatnot, but like, what would you say is one element of the method that someone could employ today, like a listener who is either skeptical or they totally believe and they're like, yeah. yo, this is me. I know I can tell I'm an empath. What is a thing um, from your book that you think they can, they can do today to help uh, yeah. better get in tune with themselves? So, so number one, um, I've got a few things I'll just say. So number one, yeah, totally and completely own this incredible gift and this power of awareness. It is, it is, it is a gift. It is a incredible, incredible capacity. And when you take total ownership of it, like, you know, you're going to, you want to be like the super Jedi of, of this incredible power and use it for good right instead of using it instead of having it negatively impact people where emotions are flying all over the place that you're going to channel it into productive outcomes so that's a big that's a big important part of this because because you get you get to actually do something that other people don't necessarily know how to do now the second part of that is that means that, you know, as they say, with great um, with great power comes great responsibility. And this is a massive responsibility to keep track of yourself because you're able you're essentially like a big instrument for what's going on in the world and all the emotional stuff that's going on. You're a big barometer for it. And with this responsibility means that you must monitor yourself. 24 seven. It's like, there's not a moment where you're not in charge of yourself and recognizing here's a big key, whether you are in a reaction or whether you are in an intention. And because how, how do you cultivate that? That is a big deal. That is a, it's big huge deal. So here's, and here's how beautifully simple this method is. And, and this method came to me, by the way, through being in a relationship with myself. I came to understand it mm -hmm. and study it because I was, was like, what is this all about? And when you are in any, and I mean a flicker of stress, then you have been somehow, there's a stimulation. This is what sensitive people do. They get, they're stimulated and then they begin mm -hmm. reacting to it. So whether it's a huge wave of anxiety, a wave of anger, or a flicker where your state, your, your state drops into some level of stress. If you go into stress, you are in a reactive process, period. Right. And so right there you go, you know, even, even if I don't dissect what it is at the moment, I don't, you know, because there's more to it, but right there, it's like very simple. Am I in a reaction? You know, am I going to write an email because it's my intention or am I now writing an email because it's a reaction? Because it, it, Adisa, it could be anything. It could be like something that looks very good for you to do or responsible, but mm -hmm. emotional patterns, it's just like you said, you could be trying to help people. Emotional patterns they're patterns and you want to know, am I in a reaction right. or did I intend 
to do this. And if I'm in a reaction, my next question is very simple. What is my intention right now? And right there, your brain starts kicking in to creativity. It starts kicking in dopamine. Your mood starts elevating and you start climbing back out of that reactive process and you start going, you start heading back into the creative, intentional, productive process where all things that you want to create are available to you. Really powerful. So you're saying you're saying that a person has to consistently check in with themselves about their intention to begin unveiling themselves to the method. Always. This is so key. And this is why being connected to yourself is important, because if you feel the stress, if you feel stress of any level, it means that you've disconnected from yourself and that you're now more connected to what's going on externally. And while that can be helpful information, you know, because I might feel something very happy from something external and I might say, great, give me more of that. But if I'm feeling something, you know, that is now going to start some sort of a uncomfortable feeling in my body, that's going to make my body go into fight flight and it starts to shut right. you down and it starts to close your creative capacity. And so being connected to oneself and constantly going, you know, am I in intention? Am I in reaction? Because, you know, you might, um, you know, like say I finish a session with a client and it's, it's such a wonderful experience. It's important for me to also walk through when I'm done with that, Tracy, what are you doing next? Like, what is, so is, do you mean to sit here and keep thinking about it? Do you mean to go to the next thing? Are you like, it really is tracking yourself, which kind of seems, it seems kind of obvious, but if you all start to recognize now more how you end up doing things that even seem might seem productive, but they're part of more of a reactive pattern, it'll help right. you make sure that the day doesn't go by and you haven't actually done the very priorities and purposes that you had within you that you meant to facilitate for yourself and others. Man, that's really powerful. And it really is about presence, right? It really is about knowing where you are within yourself in as many given points of the day as possible. Absolutely. Now, you know, th- th- when, when, we, when we started, when we met, COVID was a thing. <laughs> the thing it is right now. Like I had a mask on on the plane. I know, and I know, yeah. I was early. I was early. <laughs> I was the person with a mask on the plane. Yeah. But, you know, um, when I went to New York, nobody had a mask on. I was the only one on the train the whole time wearing a mask. And I'm really glad I wore one. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the lockdown came, right? And then you go from the lockdown to George Floyd and everything else. And, you know, the thing that I keep hearing my friends talk about and what everybody's kind of facing down is the issue that love uh, is finding itself in between people because of the social distancing, because of, you know, uh, now we have these 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 um, protests and riots and people are in the street and I just every time I look out there I'm like man all you guys are gonna get sick this is horrible but you know on a more personal level you know I'm talking to friends and like they're having problems in their marriage I'm talking to friends and they're having problems in their in their their relationships that up until now have been um quite 
pleasant, you know, good, yep. healthy, you know, or so they thought. And so like, what advice do you have for people in who are in couples right now, right? And then what advice do you have for the people that are single but are are you know, frustrated by a lack of of engagement. They haven't been going on dates, you know, even even if they find people that they like online, you know, it's still kind of a crazy time. So what kind of general advice do you have for people? So, I mean, what an interesting thing, excuse me, Adisa, like all of a sudden everybody's in lockdown, of course, and you can't, you, you know, whatever your emotional patterns are, they're right there. They're present. We're in, you know, people end up experiencing this unprecedented thing where one thing after another, this, this like trauma, 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 like everything is changing and human beings, we're not, I mean, things are changing every day. They're quickly evolving, but we have not really ever been used to that rapid of a, a catastrophic thing going on that we've all shared on this level together. And, you know, this was, this was like people trying to even wrap their, their brains around their, 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 that this is a reality that things are, are happening that are going to require the people's utmost emotional capacity so that we can all, make everything out of this that we want because, because things, you know, we have shit to deal with, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the intensity of that, if, you know, what I found is that if somebody was already sensitive, then this was just blowing them up. And then that's in the environment. And then everybody's emotions in whatever environment they're in, everybody's like, you know, experiencing all of that. You can't, you can't, you're not going out and doing all of these things. So the intensity just ratcheted and ratcheted up. And it really showed me why a year ago when I did my talk, Ted talk saying we are in a worldwide emotional crisis and we all need an emotional foundation to live our lives on. It, it doesn't, it, it was like, here it is. If you don't have a strong emotional foundation, then you're just going to keep reacting and you're going to keep reacting internally and externally. And then you're going to react to the other person's reactions. And whatever one was seeing was just how emotionally capable they are and where they were struggling. They're being shown where they need to develop emotionally so that everything they do is intentional instead of reactive. So that's a, that's a big piece of it for what was, but what's been happening for couples and families. So with that, for, for, and and this for anybody, for the single people, right. For all the single ladies out there, as they say, um, yep. I'm like doing the dance, (laughs) um, for all the single people, um, all the sexy people, uh, you know, another whole level of like, now you're with yourself and you're in lockdown and the same concept is there though. You get to really see what is going on with you. What are the things that are happening internally? How are you navigating what's going on coming into your field of awareness? And ultimately what I'm actually, you know, I didn't want it to happen this way, but everybody's been faced with their selves in a way that Mm. is really as intense as it is, Adisa. 
I often feel that, that this is sort of the point that we are here to face ourselves and evolve. And if we don't do it, if we don't go jump off the cliff so we fly, then it's kind of like you're hanging off the cliff and you're holding on and it's like you just got to go because you've got to grow. You just have to grow yeah. people. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Yeah. So is now a bad time if you're single to be trying to not be single? Is this a time to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I got to just cultivate myself right now. Right. Or or I mean, because people still, you know, um, have emotional connections that they want to cultivate and physical connections that they want to cultivate. Oh, yeah. Is now not the time? Here's what I feel, Adisa, is that even though the external environment is, you know, quite honestly, mirroring our internal environment as a collective and vice versa, right? And so we're we're getting these messages. It's saying like, you know, uh, baby needs to grow up, right? Like we we gotta grow. We gotta we gotta come into our emotional adulthood. As a society, we're not going to get we don't get to get away with shit that is not intentional and that and and here it is. So no matter what's going on externally and especially now that, you know, you can see the pattern playing itself out with what the police officers did and the way they were like kind of it was like it's almost like they were in a trance if you really watch that situation. Yeah, it was like they were they were yeah, 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 that's real. They were like in a trance. And so as I watch this, I'm seeing that because every, you know, everything a, a reaction creates a chain of reactions and an intention creates a chain of intentions and that's why I love intentionality so much. Right now, no here's what I know, no matter what is ever happening externally, when you check in with yourself and you go deep into what is my intention and even it's a you could ask it 10 times and you're going to get clarity about your personal list of intentions and for some people it's going to be build a stronger relationship with yourself and that's the big priority and do these other six things and you're going to know that for some people right. it's going to be build that relationship with yourself but also do it by engaging in experiences with potential partners, because this is our, when we create a relationship with ourselves, Adiza, we're getting the directions that are meant for each one of us individually. And that is so key because if we are the, like the one fingerprint thing here, where even identical twins have a different fingerprint, your directions are there when you are in a relationship with yourself and you get underneath all those reaction patterns and you say, what is it? What's my truth? What's next for me? And you, and then you, you, no matter what the answer is, you start moving in that direction. And it doesn't mean you got to like flip your whole life upside down, but you're meant to follow the directions that are be, that are being given to you intuitively. And, right. and so Whatever it is, as long as you're in a relationship with yourself, you're much safer to be in a relationship with somebody else and actually have it turn out the way that you're that you intended to. Man, that is so crazy, because just the other day I talked with uh, a young friend of mine who's 30 and, uh, you know, he's running a cool company 
And then he decided to, you know, step out of the business for a little bit and he moved back out of town. And so I was like, why, why did you leave town? And he was like, you know what, man? Like I, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, I just realized I wasn't happy and I wanted to be happy. So I figured, you know, I was going to let things go and then get within myself and then, you know, get in tune with myself. And, um, you know, that's where I was at. And I said, that's so crazy. I said, because, you know, I'm 50, but when I was 30, if you would have asked me if I was happy, I would have said yes, but I also know that I wouldn't have been checking, mm. right? That 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 I would have been so into everything that I was doing that in that moment. And that's actually not to say that I wasn't happy, but it is to say that I know I wasn't checking. I love it, Adisa. This is one of those fabulous you know moments I mean? for everybody because- I wasn't checking. I was like, I'm so proud of you, homie. I said, Ugh. because I would have never done that. I would have never done that. I said, and if you would have bumped into the 30-year-old me and asked me how I said, I'd be like, yeah, man, everything's good. Right? But I wouldn't have been present with myself. I said, so the fact that you had not just the presence within yourself, but the wisdom to step back from everything you knew wasn't good for you and the understanding that it was time for a new pivot, man, I was like, that is impressive. And I I love this so much because that is what, conditioning is like too. I mean, from the time that we're born, we're absorbing everything, right? There's this self that we are, but we're absorbing everything. And we all know that our parents are learning on the job and everybody's, we're all learning on the job and we don't get the instruction manual, which is, is what, why I created the method book is like, where's the instruction manual for being a self and navigating exactly how to be that self in a world of other selves who, you know, are just figuring out on the job, obviously. And so even there's conditioning around just an auto response to say, I'm happy. And right. And auto responses are, you know, on one hand, we want to condition ourselves for the productive responses that we want to be able to do without having to think about it all the time. And that's really a part of the method as well. But the check-in is the essential because the we're evolving every moment and to know what it is. And, and here's the thing about your friend too, Adisa, I follow this as religion, meaning Mm -hmm. the truth is there. It's like, what is true? And not just am I like, cause you could have it the other way. Like, am I unhappy because I was just around unhappy people? Let me check underneath that to go 18 layers deep to the Tracy, mm-hmm. Dr. T, Tracy navigation. And what is it telling me? What is the wisdom there? And let me follow that. Mm. And it never steers you wrong. It's only when you second guess it that things end up where you're like, wait a minute, I still got the same thing that I was trying to stop doing. But yeah, but yeah. Your, yeah. Na- your navigation system always steers you correct, but you got to get clear about the difference between it and the 50 million other voices that you're absorbing all the time. It's, 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 it's such a real thing. And it's also, you know, there was a book I read many years ago, probably 20 years ago, honestly, it was called the gift of fear by a guy named Gavin. DeVette. Yes, I know and, it. And, um, you know, it, remember it was about like, like, like trusting your gut in, in, in intuition. And, and, and this book was about crime. Yeah. Right? Like if you feel like you, if you look yeah. down an alleyway and it's a shortcut and there's something in the back of your head that says, you know what, you will be 10 minutes early to work, but that alley 
look shady. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then you tell yourself, what am I? You don't see nothing <laughs> down the alley. Next thing you know, someone's punching in the jaw. Someone's taking your wallet or your purse. And you're like, what happened? Right. But you knew better than to go down. Right. But you trick yourself. Right. Maybe because uh, technology, I got an iPhone and, you know, uh, it's modern days. Uh, this right. is the Wild West. Uh, right. But your intuitive self knew better. Well, you're con- go down that you're you know? can exactly. We are conditioned not to listen to ourselves. And we're getting all these instructions when we're little and we get instructions all the time. And even, you know, to this day, I take the input in. I, I take in what feels in like. That's input that I want to take in. Let me get that intuitive input. And if I take in some that's not what I intended, I still am like, I got to go deep again. Like, what is below that? Let me get clear because the other messaging basically says, and this I say this in the book, like, if you trust yourself, you'll completely screw it up. So we're just always thinking that we can't trust ourselves. And it's because we haven't we haven't actually been taught the process, and that's literally to define what the method is. It's a process of knowing exactly how to do that so that you go, okay, yeah, I'm picking up on the signal that's saying to go this way instead of down that alley. That's clear to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In all mm-hmm. things. In all things. I'm just going to stick with the path I know because it never fails me. You know what I mean? I- I'm just going to stick with the path. I don't need that 10 minutes isn't going to, you know, make that big of a deal in my life. And so, you know, I think that that is probably some of the best advice anyone can get in these times. You know, um, I-, I know I'm probably going to going to going to quote this wrong. Okay. <laughs> there's a quote from 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 Prophet Muhammad. And he said this. Um, oh man, forgive me for getting it wrong, Muslims. Um, he says something like, it is easier for the people of action to do what they do than it is to purify their intentions about what they do. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's- you know? it, he, And I think that that's, that's really deep, right? That's really deep when you see people of action who can just step into a room and pop, 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 pop. But sometimes- even though it looks graceful or good or 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 or, or it brings new profits in or or whatever, like that's just because they're people of action, but their intentions aren't purified. Even the best looking things outwardly can cost a lot inwardly, right? You this is this is it. This is absolutely it because even actions can and can essentially be reactions. You get conditioned to do X, Y, and Z, and then you might again you're you if you are not internally guided, which is really, you know, you're connected to the source of all things, connected to the directions that you are getting, then you will eat, you might be a hair off course. And if you're a hair off course, that can be a reverberating effect your entire life. But the good news is, and this is what I say to people, no matter, and this is the this is really the truth about it. The moment you just reconnect to yourself and you go, Okay, what's my attention? What's my outcomes? What's the purpose? What's mm. next? The answers start mm. flowing and they feel awesome. And even if it's a little like, okay, I'm meant to have this relationship instead of this relationship, or I meant to add this thing to my business, but not this thing. That mm. pattern, here's what it is, everyone. The pattern of following it is almost as important as the pattern of like what the topic is, because it's about you being you know, having your whole self there available and not missing parts of yourself that are communicating to you 
and then feeling like you need stuff that you actually totally have available. And so I love, I love that, that quote, however, the quotable there. Yeah. Because I'm going to get the proper quote and I'll text it to you when I get it. I'll I, text it to you when I get it. Thank you. Because taking that moment to say, what is it? And getting the answer and following that is like, it's, it's the most beautiful thing that I know. And that's why I'm so passionate yeah. about sharing it with people. Uh, because it, it is the very way that we all individually change the world by being on the path that we're meant to in any given moment of any given day. You know, it's so funny because I remember, um, a week or two before I met you, I, I was in London on my, on my 50th birthday. And, and, you know, when I woke up, I was like, who is the 50 year old Adisa? Mm. Right. Like, you know, like normally, you know, my background is in writing about hip hop and chess and teaching jujitsu and stuff like that. And I was like, does the 50 year old Adisa still do jujitsu? Does, <laughs> does he still do chess? Does, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how does he eat? Right. How does Adisa eat at 50? Yeah. And then uh, a few months after I met you, I started being vegan. You know what I mean? Because I was yeah. questioning myself and my body. And it wasn't like a thing. Like it was like several weeks before I even found out about Game Changers. Well, watch it. I knew about it, but I didn't I didn't watch it. Yeah. And my body one day was like, no more eggs. <laughs> Like no more milk. And the next day my body was like, no more meat. And it so it wasn't a thing where like I saw something and I decided, you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna I was just like my body was like, no. Now I told my friend, now now it's been about five weeks now, I think. And so, you know, I, I told my friends, I said, next week it may tell me to eat lamb again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you're vegan. I bet that's so hard. But it's not hard when your internal self does not want it. And the, when your internal self is like, that is not good for me. The point is that you're in, it is not hard as your internal self. And that's that the, there's a, I, I, there's a moment in the book that I describe where all of these years I was just, I mean, so much of my life force energy went to this horrible relationship with food and eating and an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I can do all of these other things but I am captive to the Ben and Jerry's or whatever it is. And, right, right. you know, and I'm doing all this growth on myself and all of this stuff. And then it, this one moment, you know, I'm in the kitchen and I'm just like, this is so simple. I am a powerful creator and I am always creating outcomes. And I can be honest with myself about if I'm eating all of this sugar, which, and I'm not even saying it's about sugar or no sugar, it's about what my wisdom is telling me. Like if I am eating all of this and then don't be a whiny bitch, Tracy, later and be pissed that you have cancer and then feel like a victim because you're like creating pathology, right? Like, oh my God, well, probably cause you freaking ate, you know, a mountain of M&Ms, like, you know, like the pyramids, like the pyramids, you know? And your body was like, can I please have some real food? And it was just a profound moment where I'm going, I am creating everything. So what do I want to create? What materials do I want to create it with? And if I was, if I was creating a baby inside of me, boy, don't people, you know, go, oh my gosh, I want this person to have like everything perfect. And, and I am that person inside of this body and I got to live in this body. Right. The whole time, this is my freaking so cool. home. 
It changed. I'm it, so it, glad you said that because so many women need to understand that. And I know so many women that have had eating disorders. And sometimes it's because of how they were treated by a parent or a friend or just like a weird moment that triggered, you know what I mean? Yes. Something in their self image. And so I'm so glad that you said that because I couldn't have said it because I couldn't know it. And that's why knowing yourself is so important. It is. Adisa, this one, I want to just amp up for people because all the dieting, all of everything, every, every part of that torture chamber was over in that moment because I was so honest with myself and I'm like, that honesty was the thing that just started. It was an, it was another level. I was like levels upon levels of if I'm integrity with yeah. myself and I know that cause and effect are always in place, then again, every moment I'm creating an outcome for the future. And that just starts to simplify things. And it takes you out of cravings and it takes you out of all the story and like needing the hot tamales or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> the, the chips yeah, or whatever, Mike and, Ikes. <laughs> Mike and Ikes. And you're like, and you and I love it because your wisdom is saying when your wisdom said don't eat this and you're listening to it. I mean, yourself is trying to get your attention your whole life. And the question is, are you going to give yeah. it to it? Yeah. You know, and so like I, I still haven't really craved a hamburger. I still haven't craved. You know what I mean? Like and I'm shocked because I know the old me would have. I know the old me would have been like, that's it. I got I got <laughs> That's it. I got to go make a burger. I, I got to go have a steak. And I don't feel like that. And uh, my body feels better. And I wake up and I'm happier. And um, it's it, and then I saw Game Changers. And then I was like, oh, now I got to stop. There's a lot of science behind it. You know what I mean? But I also respect that other people can't live this way. Meaning one of my first friends who was vegetarian. I'm not going to say his name because this is hilarious. He was really uh, 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 judgmental of other people once he went vegetarian. He was like, oh. Oh, so you're eating that meat again, huh? Oh, chicken, <laughs> that's what the world needs. Oh, fish, right? And then like a few months later, he started passing out. He was like, whatever. And the doctor was like, you need meat. Right, you need to eat right, beef. right. And when he had to come back to us and eat beef in front of us, <laughs> yo, man, doctor said, you know what I'm saying? I was like, shut your ass up. Man. You was being hella mean. You know what I mean? And so I'm not like that. I don't care what other people eat if they know that is good for them because this is the way that my body's telling me to be right now, a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. It may be different, but right now I'm just listening to my body and this is where I'm at, you know? Well, well and Adiza, this is... They, they've been talking about intuitive eating for years. This is the deepest meaning of it. The difference between that, it's again, it's the difference between reactive and intuitive or reactive and intentional. You're, if you're reactive, and this is why I love the emotional training that we do and why I created the world's first emotional strength training center is because everything that you change emotionally and the deeper you connect to yourself intuitively you become an intuitive, intentional, creative, connective person, and everything follows that. And instead of being reactive emotionally and then eating reactively, which is just one big chain of reactions, mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. that you do intentionally, it makes eating intentional. It makes relationships intentional. It makes what, like you said, what turn you're going to take when you're driving down the street and you go, mm, something tells mm -hmm. me to take this other road or whatever. And then it all becomes yeah. one thing and you don't have, this is what used to piss me off. And this is what I want to say to people. You don't have 118 problems. 
It's all about the relationship with yourself. And when you have one, it solves everything and you operate on an elevated level. That is how we were meant to be because we were not meant to be like making it's not, it's not supposed to be so hard to be a person. Right. It doesn't right. make any sense. It keeps us from living our true potential. And we all need, you know, the world needed me doing this. It didn't need me binge eating at four o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon and, t- and then mm-hmm. doing, you know, totally. it, it didn't need me doing that. I needed to get on with my purpose. That's so beautiful. Now, for people who want to contact you, for people who want to get the method, for people who want to learn from you, where can they get your products and where can they 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 connect with you? Okay. So everyone, if you uh, want to learn about being an emotionally sensitive person and how you can be your most empowered self and really harness every single overwhelming negative emotion and by the way every piece of incredible powerful wisdom into the exact outcomes that you want for yourself your relationships everything in your life your body your career how you serve humanity then go to drtracyinc.com and you can start by taking the emotional sensitivity test and really figure out your particular brand of emotional sensitivity and how it works and how it's what's going on with it. And then there's a lot of different options. And, and when you take that test, it's actually going to um, kind of give you recommend. It's going to it's not kind of let me be clear there. It's going to give you you're going to re- get a report. It's going to give you recommendations, which may have you either start with the book or maybe one of our online programs. But ultimately, you're going to know a lot more about this amazing, powerful gift that you have and what to do about it, what to do with it, so that you can go on with the rest of your life truly making the contribution that you're meant to make. And that's what I'm really excited about for all of you. So Adiza, I'm really so glad that I sat down next to you on the airplane. Unbelievable. And just just met a, you know, a brother, just a brother, you know, leader in the world here as we're serving humanity together today. Man, you know, I was so excited, like, when I when I got um, when I got to my hotel, I was like, I cannot believe who I got to sit next to. I cannot believe I got this book. It was like so perfect, you know. And then I did the whole Camp Tazo thing with RZA, and there was like a Shaolin monk, <laughs> which is like so amazing, and so many amazing young people with great ideas. And then, you know, I, I got to start reading your book after I, I, I got back, and it was just it was perfect. So, you know, I'm really glad that we met. Thank you for writing this book. It, it 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 helped my life. I've already gave mine to someone. Like I wanted to keep it, but I was so juiced about it. I was like, you know what? You need this book right now. This is this is the book that you need. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm gonna buy another one. You know what I mean? I'm gonna buy another one for myself. But I knew that in that moment that they needed the book more than me. You know? And so Adisa, I just wanna tell you that that's the kind of intention that I have in this world is that people will get this method, they will have themselves and they will share it in every way, shape or form and all the things that they are doing. So that is like a perfect example of a vision come true for me. Yeah. And I, I was the same way. I sat in the, in the, in the, uh, with the Lyft driver on the way into Manhattan, just smiling from ear to ear and telling my husband, you know, I just met one of the most amazing people. So, <laughs> um, I just want to say, I, I, I'm going to say this cause this is what's on my heart. I absolutely, absolutely love you. 
I love you too. And I'm grateful for having you on the show. I really, you know, and it's funny, right? Because we've tried to, we've tried to have this conversation like three or four times. And every time it didn't happen, I was never stressed. And the old me would have me been too. very stressed. Would have been very <laughs> stressed. Oh man, you know, you know, this equipment isn't working. I can't find whatever. And I've never been stressed about this because I knew when we connected, this was going to be a good thing. Um, everybody who's listening on Bishop Chronicles, please um, get the method learn about it, read the book, you know, in this time of COVID and in this time of, of such amazing racial, economic uh, strife, physical strife, you know, being in tune with who we are right now, I just don't think there's anything more important because everything we're trying to solve can't be solved if we're not loving who we are because we really can't love anybody else until we love ourselves, you know. So thank you again for being on, and, and I appreciate you. You're welcome, Adisa. Take care, everyone. Teacher, what style is that?